I'm Mark, I'm Scottish, I live in Nottingham and uh, I'm married and I've got two kids. Now being Scottish and living in England is normally absolutely and totally fine. The only time that it's a little bit of a problem is during the Football World Cups, right? Because my son is like born in England, he's an English lad. And he's always like, Dad, you've got to support England. Come on, get, get behind the lads. And I'm Scottish. And, and I really try. I'm like, mm, come come on, England. And But, you know, England are normally really, really kind. And they normally get knocked out nice and early. So it's all good. But last year at the World Cup, England did amazing. They got right the way through to the semi-final against Croatia. Semi-final of the World Cup. My son Jordan's like, Dad, you got to support England. I'm like, oh, I do really. So I decided to phone my dad. Now, my dad is Scottish. He has lived in Scotland his whole life. He's been a minister in Scotland for the last 50 years. And I rang him up on the morning of the match England against Croatia. I says, Dad, are you going to support England against Croatia? And my dad said to me on the phone, he said, Son, all of the Scottish churches were singing, I am a new Croatian. And I was like, oh, wow. That does not smack of unity, does it? It does not smack of unity. I am a new Croatian. Brilliant. Well, listen, um, I was chatting to someone the other day and we were talking about the kind of shows that we watched when we were kids. I don't know if you are my generation and you were kind of watching Multicoloured Swap Shop or maybe you were kind of the Tizwas guy or maybe, you know, uh, the, the, the new shows are more the things you watch. But one of the TV shows that I watched a lot when I was a kid, yes, was Tom and Jerry, the cartoon And what's hilarious is that when my kids were growing up, we used to put the video of Tom and Jerry on all the time and our kids were crazy for it. Now, I don't know if you can remember this one character in Tom and Jerry and that was not the cat and not the mouse, but it was the dog. I loved the dog. The dog would be there. Normally, he would be sleeping in his kennel and it was always the same scene. The cat would go flying past and wow, the dog's kind of sleeping and then he'd open like one eye and he would see the cat and then suddenly he would spring up into action and he would run after the cat. And there would always be this scene where you thought, oh no, the dog is actually going to get the cat. But the same thing would always happen. Without you realising, there was a chain. And the chain had been unfurling the whole time. But then it got to a point, just when the dog was about to get the cat, the chain yanks the dog back. And the dog traipses back to the kennel. It was always the same scene. I found it funny as a kid. Now my kids found it funny when they were kids. And then... It's that sense in which the dog thought he was free, but actually he wasn't free. And, you know, in the Bible, Jesus says these amazing words. Who the Son sets free is free indeed. 
John 8 verse 36, who the Son sets free is free indeed. You know, you may have kind of started watching this, you may have flicked online or whatever, and you've got this on your screen, and you might be thinking to yourself, well, am I free? Am I really free? Jesus says that none of us are free. That, you know, actually, we're all a bit like that dog. We think we're free, and we think we're winning, and then, boom, something happens in our life, and we're like, ah, oh, do you know what? Actually, I, I, I'm not as free as I thought I was. And yet Jesus says, who the Son sets free is free indeed. You know, I want to say to you today that all of us, we want that freedom. All of us want that freedom that Jesus is talking about here. None of us want to live our life like that dog where we keep on getting to the same point and then we get yanked back. You know, maybe there are some people watching this and you're thinking about certain habits or certain life controlling things that, you know, you, you, you seem to be making progress. You seem to be getting somewhere and then boom, the chain just tightens and you traipse back to the kennel. You know, I know that there's been times in my life when I felt like that. There's been things in my life where I've really felt like, oh man, this habit, I, I feel like I'm getting a bit better. I feel like I'm getting sorted with this. And then, boom, I get to a point and trips back to my kennel, back to the doghouse, back to that place where you thought, oh, I can't believe I'm here again. I don't know what it might be for you. Maybe it's a certain kind of point in a relationship. Maybe it's a certain thing, a habit, a horrible thing that you keep on doing, a cycle thing that you keep going round and you get to that same point. And when you hit that point, you're back. That chain is pulling again. And yet here we do see that Jesus says in John chapter 8, he says, who the Son sets free is free indeed. Jesus is offering us real and true freedom. And so we begin to think, well, what is Jesus talking about? Jesus is talking about being free from sin. Now, before you kind of go and you think, oh, here we go. Here's this Scottish guy probably going to get his massive Bible and knock me over the head with it. You know, often sin is not always what we think it is. You see, when you start thinking of this word sin, um, I, I did have a laugh the other day because I mentioned it to someone. And they, they genuinely were like, oh, yeah, I think sin. Isn't that when you like eat a pie and you're in one of those diet things? I was like, oh, my goodness. No, we all have different thoughts when it comes to sin. But what does the Bible mean when it says sin? You see, what the Bible is saying is that we have these things that like stop us from being what we were made and created to be. And it's called sin. God wants you to succeed. He wants you to thrive. He wants you to absolutely just really live life in the fast lane. He wants you to completely and utterly succeed. He's got blessing for you. And he's got absolutely wonderful, incredible goodness for you. But yet all of us have this thing that stops us from thriving with Jesus, and it's called sin. When I was a young lad at school, I was like maybe about 14, I did my swimming badge, and uh, 
I'm like a decent swimmer and I really loved it and I was going along each week and, and it, it, it was going well. And then one day the teacher said to us, next week, everybody bring in your pajamas. Bring in your pajamas and we're going to jump in the pool in our pajamas. Oh, you know, as a young guy, I was thinking, this is amazing. I'm getting to the, the, the stuff that I wear in bed. I'm going to jump in the swimming pool. Whoa, what could be more exciting for a young teenage lad? It was like, come on. Well, I uh, turned up on the day with my pajamas and we all jumped in the pool together. And then we started to swim lengths. And you've probably guessed already what happened. You know, I'm quite a good swimmer and I'm decent. But as I was swimming, of course, what happened? The pajamas in the water began to weigh me down. And I couldn't swim to the strength I had before because this is weighing me down. And friend, as you're watching this now, that is what sin is. You see, sin is that thing that holds us back. It weighs us down. It stops us from living life as we were intended to live. God designed you for amazing and wonderful things. And yet this thing holds us back. In fact, in Hebrews chapter 12, it says this, the sin that so easily entangles us, it weighs us down. Let's throw it off. Because that's exactly what happened at my school. After a little while of us swimming and not getting very far, then guess what? My teacher shouted to everyone, okay, everyone, pull off your pajamas. And of course, what happened was there we were in our swimwear and we were now able to be back to that full strength. You see, that is exactly what Jesus did at the cross. He came so that we could rip off the sin, take off the stuff that weighs us down, holds us back. Imagine if I said to you today, I want to give everyone that's watching now, I want to give you a Ferrari, an incredibly fast car. But then I say to you, ah, but guess what? You're going to have to take this caravan everywhere you go. Well, those big, huge, dirty caravans that probably you've been stuck behind on a holiday once. You know, imagine you're in this incredible sports car with all the potential to really fly, but yet you're dragging this caravan behind you. And that is like our lives. God has designed us and created us for wonderful and beautiful and incredible things. And yet, even though we're designed for that, we're dragging this caravan of sin behind us. Guilt, fear, all kinds of rubbish. Ah, you see, Jesus says, who the sun sets free is free indeed. He wants you to be that Ferrari, no longer having to drag that stuff behind you. I, uh, I went to Africa a few years ago with my wife and we had an amazing, amazing safari. And uh, it was one of those where you actually camp round the fire. Uh, there's no hotels or lodges, but you're in tents. And uh, honestly, the animals were really close. It was so cool. It was so fun. And uh, we would every night gather around these beautiful big campfires. 
And in the afternoon, the driver, now I got on amazing with the driver. He was a big Kenyan guy called John, and I loved John. John had this laugh that he used to do that I used to really crack up at. Because John would laugh like this. Ha, 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 he, he. Three has, two he's, job done. And uh, no matter what you did, no matter how you made him laugh, he always had the same laugh. Ha, ha, ha. He, he. And uh, I asked him once, John, where did you get that laugh? And he said that he saw it in a cartoon book and he decided, that's my laugh. I love that. I don't know if I actually have ever chosen my laugh. I thought they just came naturally. But John, he chose his laugh. Great stuff. And John and me got on brilliant. And one time John says, come on, we're going to get some firewood. And we got in the truck and John and me were having a laugh. It was just him and me. And I says, come on, John. No one else is watching. Let's go. How fast can you get this baby to go? And he got it screaming. We were hitting 90, 95 miles an hour. The whole truck was shaking, but we were really cracking some serious distance. It was fun. But then John says, come on, we need to actually get the wood now. I thought we would get some bags and we would put some dead wood in some bags. But no, no, no. This was safari style. And what we did was... John found a dead tree and we got this big chain and we chained the, ch the chain was in the back of the truck and we put it tied up this dead tree and we dragged the dead tree back to camp. How many of you know that of course we couldn't hit speeds now? Of course this truck could no longer go very fast and wasn't able to reach its full potential because we were dragging this dead weight behind us. And that is what the Bible means when it talks about sin. You have been created and designed to go at wonderful speeds, to do incredible exploits, to be fantastically glorious. That is how you have been designed and created to be. But we drag behind us this dead wood, this dead sin. You know, when we got back to camp, the first thing that John did was he got the, 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 the tool and he broke the chain and the, the, the tree was left there in camp. And of course, now the truck could go as fast as it wanted. And this is the story. The story is, is that we can be free. And what it is that breaks the chains of our life, it's not self-help. It's not trying to be just the very best religious person we can be. None of that is what the Bible says. The Bible says it is through the power of the cross. It is the cross that breaks the power of the chain and we can be free. Now, you might think, well, what, what does the cross? You've, you've just said about the power of the cross. What does the cross mean to me living today? In my modern existence, what is this Jesus dying on the cross? Well, let me tell you uh, the best way in a story about a guy called Wally Fraser. Now, Wally Fraser is a, an old Scottish guy. He's in his late 80s and he lives up near Aberdeen. And Wally used to like going out on an evening for a drink. And he lived in the countryside right up in the north of Scotland. And just a couple of Januaries ago, Willie Fraser went out on a Saturday night for a couple of beers. And uh, it was pretty late when he'd finished having a few drinks and he'd got a bit of a stagger going on. But he walked across the fields, 
back to where he lived. He was headed home. But, you know, there was quite a lot of snow and it was cold. And even though Willie Fraser was an old guy, he still managed to get through these fields. But the story is, is that Willie Fraser got to a barbed wire fence and in trying to get over it, and maybe because he did a bit to drink, he wasn't his full self, he actually got himself tangled up in the fence. And the more that he tried to pull and get untangled, he actually got more and more tangled. Until there he was, all caught up in this fence. This old man in the middle of the night, tangled up in a fence. And with the Aberdeen freezing Scottish weather, he was there, he started to pass in and out of consciousness. We got told later, the experts said, that if Willie had been left in that state for many more hours, he would definitely have died. But the story is this, is that Willie's friend was out walking his dog at 4.30 in the morning. True story. I've never walked a dog at 4.30 in the morning, but this guy was out there doing it. And he was out walking his dog at 4.30 in the morning and his dog was alerted to something. And the friend ran over and immediately recognised that this was his mate, Willie Fraser, trapped, tangled up in this fence. And what did he do? What was the first thing he did? He did not care about the barbed wire hurting or cutting his hands. No, the first thing he did was he began to rip the wire with his hands. And the, the, this wire, the barbed wire was shredding his skin and it was bleeding and bloodied. But he didn't care because he was ripping this fence and he managed to get his friend off the fence. And then he was able to get some help and he got his friend to hospital and brilliant story is that Willie Fraser is safe, alive and well. And that is this incredible story of the gospel right there. What the cross means. You see, friend, this is the true story. Is that our home is safe in the arms of God. That is, God has designed you and designed me that we would come home into his arms. But you know, on the way to trying to get home back into the arms of God, we've got tangled up in this thing called sin. Just like Willie Fraser had got tangled up in that fence, so we too have got tangled up in our sin. And, you know, I don't want to alarm you, but friend, I'm just wanting to say that the Bible says if we stay in that state for much longer, then we will die. Just like Willie Fraser would have died if he stayed in that state, in that freezing cold weather. We will die, but not just a death at the end of our lives, but we will have this thing called eternal death, which is forever without God. Oh, man. What a horrendous story that uh, trying to get back to God, we've got tangled up in our sin. And there we are, kind of, if we stay in this state, we're going to spend forever without God. But the incredible story of the Bible is that Jesus was sent by God. For God so loved the world, he sent his son Jesus. John 3, 16. And that actually Jesus came and he did not care about his hands getting cut and broken as he died on the cross. His body, his face, his whole figure smashed against that cross. He did not care about getting broken and bust 
and beaten because all Jesus cared about was setting us free from this thing called sin. This thing called sin. And by Jesus dying on the cross, it meant that there was a way possible for us to be free from sin and that we would be free to be back into the arms of God. And as a young guy in a service, I remember it so well, hearing a speaker saying this kind of message on a stage. I was listening and I remember that moment of thinking, oh man, I am tangled up in my sin. I'm caught up in my sin. And if I stay in this state, I'm going to be forever without God. And I remember praying a prayer and saying, oh Jesus, thank you that you died on the cross that you didn't care about your hands getting beaten and broken, that you ripped me free from this thing called sin so that I could be home in the arms of the Father. And I remember praying that prayer. And you know, I would love to do that right now. You're watching maybe in your living room or your your bedroom or your kitchen and and you're watching this screen on a phone or an iPad or or your TV and, and and you can hear these words. Oh, friend, you know, I've wept over this little moment right now because I don't want anybody that hears this to be tangled up in their sin and be stay in that state and then spend forever without God. But I pray that in this next moment, as you just focus in right now, that you would maybe pray this prayer along with me and that actually you would know what it is to be set free, just like we read earlier, who the sun sets free is free indeed, and that you'd be free to get home into the arms of Father God who is looking for you and is longing to see you. Would you pray this prayer with me now, wherever you are? I'm going to just say a few words. Maybe you could pray them out loud, or maybe you would rather just pray them in your heart. But just say them after me, and God will hear that. God will hear that you're accepting that, yeah, you are tangled up in your sin. I I admit I'm flawed, I'm messed up. And that Jesus is the one that can set me free and I can be back in the arms of my Father. Why don't you pray this prayer? Oh God, thank you that you sent Jesus. Thank you that Jesus came and set me free. He, he, he broke the power of sin. Thank you so much. And I say sorry for my sin. And I receive your freedom. I receive your freedom. In the name of Jesus. Amen.